College basketball fans, we got another week of action coming at you here. We're breaking it all down. We're getting you ready for a fantastic weekend of hoops. Timmy Hall here and my college basketball loving friend, Evil Bald Colin. CB, what's happening, man? Timmy Hall, do you know, and now for, I, I am dating this a little bit because we are not to the Monday yet of next week. Uh, if you're listening to us on the fan Saturday morning, you will be a couple of days from that Monday, but that Monday, the 26th, we are one week away from the first conference tournament game. It's almost ready. It's almost here. So which I can't conference, wait. which small conference will that be, uh, if my I, man? If I remember off the top of my head, I think it's the Patriot League, but don't hold me to that. Little Patriot League hoops. So now, that's, now I need to look that's that guys up. like American in Washington, D.C., right? That's guys like Bucknell in Pennsylvania, where the Buckeyes went and got old uh, TikTok star Jimmy Sotos. That's right. They're in that conference. That's right. And many other ones, too. Good little yeah. mid-major league. Yeah, I I mean, there's been some good players that have come out of there. Um, I not love necessarily it, man. in I, terms of tournament can, success recently, but... Can I just get this out, off my chest? Anybody that tries to downplay conference tournaments, I'm just... I, I'm done with that. I don't get you. Because the, the more I can live in this feeling of NCAA tournament or similar type basketball, I'm not... I'm not talking about needing to expand the NCAA tournament field, which is going to be discussed. That's not needed. That's what's great about having all these different conference tournaments. You don't have to check them out. They're going to be on all different levels of TV, and and I'm sure streaming services here in the future, if not this year. But... CB, there's something for everyone. Like, I love randomly walking in on a Tuesday night and there's some high school looking gym type of thing (laughs) and a bid to the NCAA tournament is on the line. You might be watching Long Island University Brooklyn, right? Try to punch their ticket. I, I just love that. I love watching that final five minutes or final 10 minutes of a game and then getting to see those guys celebrate because that's basically their national championship. They're not going to be able to do anything in the NCAA tournament. No, absolutely not. I just, I like it. I, I, I want to cherish it. So shame on me. The uh, Patriot League actually starts on the fifth. The one that starts on the fourth though is the Atlantic Sun, which always seems to be a fun one too. And Jesus, that's, that's, get your facts that's right, what man. That, that one's very much Candace Sites. What are you here for? Well, that's what that's what's so good about it is it's the first one. It's all campus sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the best. I, I, I love those ones. Although there's very few and far between of those kinds anymore. We got a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. We had the fired episode last week, so we're more than a week removed from. Has Chris it only Holtman. been a week? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was a week on Wednesday. It was a full week on Wednesday, and a lot has happened. I mean, I guess we do need to give them. They're due for beating the Boilers. That was something. You know, that that Buckeye basketball team, they went out uh, four days after their head coach was fired, and they rallied, and they beat the number two team in the country, and it was really a great all-around team win. Brilliant second-half performance from Jamison Battle. Bruce Thornton paced him the entire way. Roddy still couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, but played a good game, and they just... It was like a platoon style. So many guys came off the bench and did big things. And Zed Key, of all guys, just completely harassing Zach Eady, the best player in the country, so much so that they won the game. Yeah, I think one of the biggest benefits, and not a lot of people talk, discuss it, is that time off they had between uh, the loss at Wisconsin and then hosting Purdue that weekend. I, I think that really gave them an opportunity to kind of regroup, get ready, put the game plan together, and pretty much get Purdue their best shot. Uh, but yeah, watching that game, there was a lot of aspects of it that you 
haven't seen consistently throughout the season, maybe recent seasons, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the active hands on big guys with the ball in the paint, making it a chaotic scene is not something I feel like we've seen a lot of. So to see that in that big spot is really encouraging. And hopefully they, they carry that over here towards the rest of the season and into big 10 tournament play. But uh, things that we haven't seen all year, we saw some glimpses of on Sunday and that was really fun. Well, we uh, did, did you get to catch any of that UConn Marquette game this past weekend? Because that was another uh, one. Yeah, I know we got more I big was... games coming up, but from last week, that was one. I caught almost all of it, and I, I could not be more impressed. And it was just fitting that UConn drills another top five, top ten team in Marquette, albeit at home, the same weekend where Purdue gets knocked off. And it, it still just stuns me that they could lose that much from a national championship team and be this good and this locked in. You can just tell Hurley is such a good coach. He's one of the, we've talked before. He's one of the most passionate coaches in the country anyway, how he maintains those energy levels. I thought Jake coached with that kind of energy. And if he's looking for the identity, just do it. Just be that guy where every single positive play that your team makes just sort of courses right through your veins. But UConn is just so unbelievable right now. Unanimous number one team in the country. I do enjoy your, uh, opportunity there or your attempt to try to compare Dan Hurley to uh, Jake Diebler in terms, of, in terms I, of personas. I didn't. Uh, comp- I didn't. <laughs> personalities. I, I, it was just something that I liked with the, what I saw from Jake's first game out there. Considering uh, what was it? Dan Hurley said, if you reach over, I'll knock you out to a fan from Creighton <laughs> during the upset. The, the Creighton and I know they got completely, uh, they got completely whacked and look, that's, that's the way that it is right now. But that, that to me, Creighton fans were crying about that. Whatever, man. Well, whatever. Like, like he really means that. Just to coach him and, into the locker room. And then what's funny is Dan Hurley on on X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, posted a video. I can't remember what this movie's from, but they're like throwing things at the character, saying shame, shame, shame. <laughs> and he, he edited his face onto the character. It That's was really Game of funny. Thrones. That okay. That yeah. makes sense. Uh, but yeah, no, Dan Hurley. I love him to death, man. Watching his games. You're watching almost two different episodes of things. You're watching obviously the, the the visual game, but just the antics and the way he behaves on the sidelines when those eyes get super wide and super mad at the referees or a player or something that's going on in the court. It's it's a spectacle. But um, no, you you mentioned seeing that Marquette crate or uh, that Marquette UConn game. I just think it was a case of UConn has a lot of properties about their team that matches up really well against a team like Marquette. They have a big that can travel with Oso Iguodaro and Donovan Klingon, and then they've got guards for days between Stefan Castle, Tristan Newton, as you mentioned, and also Cam Spencer to match up with guys like Tyler Kolek. So I think it was just a bad matchup, and one of those days where just UConn turned it on. Uh, and I believe they get the return game here coming up pretty soon in Milwaukee for that. So we'll, we'll see how Marquette rebounds from that. Mm-hmm. But yep, they do. It, it, it really just sixth. It really just kind of reinforced the fact that when they went and did that, and then went on the road to Creighton and lost in the fashion that they did, that you might think that Purdue, UConn, maybe another team are above the rest. But really, when it gets into these situations where you're away from your home court, it feels like it's going to be a lot of bit, a lot of uh, neutralizing the talents come tournament time. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy what hoops is too, because they could be that good, that locked and loaded, and then later on in the week, after the emotion of kicking someone's ass like they did to Marquette, they get smoked 
on the road at Creighton. And I know you love well, yeah, the Jays, it, it, and it's it's tough not to love them when they go out and get a win like that. But, man, it's it's hard. It's hard out there. And I think that's also what you saw with Purdue. They've just been winning too much. UConn had just been winning too much. Someone was going to get them. If they were just even remotely ready to play, somebody could get them. Yeah, it's it really reinforces the point or the statistic that's going around this year that's pretty important. Uh, at first, it started with just ranked teams against unranked teams on the road. And now it's even turned into top 10 teams on the road against unranked teams. And usually that winning percentage is around like, I think the lowest in history recorded in the last couple of years was 60, 62% winning percentage. And I think it's closer to around 50% this year. So it just shows you how much away from home court these teams are so much equal. Right, we did it again where we almost went the entire first segment before we hit our open. But, but there's wanna, so much that I happened know. in that week. We'll, we'll do we'll do our Ohio State coaching segment coming up here later on. But we'll continue on getting you caught up with some of the happenings in college basketball. We might have had someone just throw away their shot at a conference championship this week in brutal fashion. So we'll tell you about that. You guys are locked in to Mad About Hoops. Bounce Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it. It. He hit it, he it. Turner. It. He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh. 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 oh! oh! Sent it in, Jerome! Oh. <laughs> College basketball. This is March Madness. All right, Timmy Hall and Eva Bald Colin, all the college basketball talk and content you can handle. Look, so, you know, I, I come in to work on, on Thursday, and Fish is our program director here at The Fan. If you're catching us on the replay on Saturday morning, thank you. Be sure you can go and download Mad About Hoops. Mad About Hoops. We release it on Thursday, so you're always going to get more straight from the podcast. So do that. March is right around the corner. This is the time. This is our time to shine anyway. So he's a big Illini guy. Went to school there. It was a rough night in their household. His girlfriend went to Indiana. He went to Illinois. Indiana was getting smoked, what, 51-31 at the half? I don't think it was going any better for Indiana that night, too. No, no. <laughs> Indiana sucked. They were getting booed off the court in the end of the first half. But Illinois lost to Penn State, right? And Penn State, if you didn't see this, they went back, I think, for the first time since the 90s and played a game at the Rec Hall. It's almost like when Ohio State plays at St. John Arena. Yeah, because I, th- do it anymore, I think it's an event where they played that game, the men's game there, and then the what would have been Thursday night, the Ohio State-Penn State women's game was also being played there. So I didn't watch this game, but Fish tells me, and then I maybe I broke some kind of code here where he wasn't supposed to know, and I, I was beating him over the head with this, but here's the thing. He told me about Illinois' loss to Penn State, I really hadn't looked at it yet. I was still doing my research, getting caught up on the night that was. I'm like, oh, you know, shoot, you know, Penn State. That just shows you what the, you know, same thing we've said before. The floor in the Big Ten is much higher now. There's no gimme games. And so they lost this game. And he told me about it. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to have to go and check out that game script. Because he said they blew a, a, a seven-point lead in 40 seconds. So I said, okay, that's something. That's worth checking into. And so when I checked into it, I realized that 
they gave up. They fouled. That's what it was. They fouled a three-point shooter with four seconds left. Illinois, you know, turns the ball over. You know, they they miss a shot or something. Penn State races down. They drill a three. So that made it 89 to 85, cuts it to four. They get the ball into Terrence Shannon. And like a lot of guys do, you're trying to just, you know, wait for the whistle. You think you're going to get fouled, but Penn State does a good job of not fouling and trying to get a tie-up or whatever. They wind up scrapping the ball away, so they get the the turnover, and the guy lays it in with his left hand, cuts it to two. They wind up getting the ball back again, and that's when it happens. Down two, they foul the three-point shooter, and the guy clutches can be, goes up and makes all three of the free throws. So Zach Hicks does his job, knocks them all down, and I tell Fish all this. I just fill him in on how it how it ended. That brutal. And then everything where you come into play with Purdue losing, Illinois holds on to win that game. They would be, what, 20-6 and six and 11-4, and four, and they have a game against Purdue coming up. They still were in, not the driver's seat, but back in the saddle with a chance to win a Big Ten championship. And to lose at Penn State, who, again, you know, they're an under-500 team. I know it's not the easiest thing in the world to go and win there. They had the specialty kind of game. But, Colin, brutal how they threw it away. And apparently I was the bad guy for bringing this up. <laughs> I think you're just being the good person. I just think you have to them. be. I think you have to be in misery if if you tell me how your team lost and then I fill in the context. <laughs> that's just the way that it goes. It, it is how it goes. Um, I don't think it's like the exact reason why they lost, but one of the big things about Illinois that I'm cautious on, and why I'm not diving in completely like, like a, a lot of people are, is like a dark horse for like a an elite eight run in the tournament is the reason is they don't really have a true point guard. And I think not necessarily the biggest sticking point from their loss in this game, but it's going to be something that's really going to hurt them down the stretch. Uh, that they, they don't really have that floor general to kind of direct things when it gets into crunch time like that. Um, but I'm sure we'll probably see a better example of that in the future going forward in the, in the last couple of weeks here and in, in the tournament time. But yeah, that's just brutal. That's not, that's not a vibe you want if you're Illinois and, really hurting your chances of winning the regular season title. Okay. Whoa, my bad. <laughs> it uh, really hurts your chances to win the regular season title. Old PC sound catching us right there. Well, and, you know, the, the other things that happened, you had uh, George Mason knock off Dayton this week, so that was huge, and it was yeah, the Dayton, first time. scary right now. Yeah, the, by the way, the first time ever that George Mason, head coach Tony Skin, who spent a year on Chris Holtman's staff at Ohio State, was on the George Mason Final Four team under Jim Laranaga. That's right. One of the catalysts on that team. First time Mason has ever beaten a ranked team on its home court. That was it. This week when they beat Dayton. Wow. 71-67. LSU beat Kentucky with a buzzer beater. 75-74. So that was huge. Angel Reese was celebrating it there from the women's team. And Alabama had a nice overtime win over Florida as they're 11-2. The Buckeyes' best win. And, well, now Purdue now. But they're eleven and two in SEC. Yeah, play. quick little preview to the uh, the week ahead and the weekend ahead. That game in uh, Lexington this weekend between Kentucky and Alabama is going to be a big one for a lot of dis- different reasons because Kentucky was starting to feel themselves there a little bit. Uh, really got themselves back into a good position with good wins at home over Ole Miss and then on the road at Auburn. But then you go and turn around and you put up a dud, in my opinion, on the road at LSU. And there's just kind of team dynamic issues with this team for Cal right now. I don't know why uh, Robert Dillingham is still on the bench and not starting and playing 30 plus minutes a game, but he's got to figure it out if they want to make a run. All right. So 
We know that things are going to start to be moving with the Ohio State basketball coaching search. There's things that we can catch you up on, opinions that we have about it. There's a thing that's bothering CB that's out there. There's a thing that's bothering me a little bit that's out there. We'll talk about it. You guys are locked in to Mad About Hoops. All college basketball, all the time. You're listening to Mad About Hoops. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Timmy Hall, evil, bald Colin. It's getting close, it really buddy. It's close. Oh, uh, How many yeah. times have we said that on this podcast? We just live saying that it's getting Pretty closer. Much. It's but almost I mean, here. I mean, realistically, you could, because the show will air next week on a day in March, you could, you know, fire it up then. All right. Well, this will be not even the, the first time I'm going to kind of piss you off here, and it'll happen again later <laughs> on in the show. We'll start with the, the things we mentioned about this Ohio State basketball coaching search. How there's maybe a thing that's being said and talked about a lot that bothers you a little bit. There's one thing that bothers me. I'll let Aaron Kraft, one of the great Buckeyes of all time, bother you a little bit because this is a topic. And when you come out of the gates and you know Jake Diebler, the interim head coach, wins a game like Purdue, we're going to talk about it. And AC was on uh, that podcast that, that Adam Jardy, the dispatch does with all the Carmen's crew guys. You've got David Lighty and, and Jared Sullinger. So some Buckeye basketball royalty, kind of cool up there, just shooting the breeze about everything going on with the program. Kraft talking a little bit about Diebler and his chances to stay at Ohio State. If Jake does well, um, whether he potentially gets looks at looks for head coaching jobs or or not, you know, if he does well and you're the new coach coming in, uh, and you have a desire to want to keep Bruce and Roddy and maybe Felix. Um, yeah. Jake's probably the closest guy to them. And if you can, and then he's also the guy that's closest to a lot of these recruits coming in yes. from Ohio that kind of created this relationship. So if, if you're a new coach coming in and you want to keep building through those guys and maybe keep the recruiting class, the higher recruiting class we have, you may consider keeping Jake, you know, if he does well and is kind of proves himself over this next month. So, I think there's a lot on there's just a lot on the line for everyone. Now, he's not really specifying in that clip and I'd have to hear the rest of it. There could be an option there where maybe he can stay on the staff and not be the head coach unless you pull off some kind of miracle cuz CB if if Aaron Kraft talks, I'll listen cuz that guy knows more basketball than we have or will ever know with what he did in his career. But I get what he's saying and all that. I'm with you where this is the type of job right now where you got a new athletic director coming in from ground zero that needs to go out there and show to everybody that you can get a big-time coach with lots of experience to fill what we would like to continue to believe is a top 20 spot in all of college basketball. Yeah, I, I mean, that's where I've been at, and that's where I'll continue to be. And all of the reporting around this whole search right now is that that's pretty much where they're going to go. And they've cast a pretty wide net on the candidates they want, but they'll eventually start to narrow it down. And I think it's going to be someone from the high major slash, I mean, do we call the Big Ameri- East? Do we call the American a, a, a P6? I don't think so. I think it's more of like a high mid major, but uh, because you have to include Dusty May in that mix. And I think he will be in consideration for the job. And it sounds like there's some reporting out there. Dusty um, May's done enough, huh? You got I mean, done enough. A, a, fi- a final four is more than a lot of coaches have ever been to. It is. He's got. <laughs> you do. You do it early. He's right? got some pedigree behind him. He is a an IU guy. So uh, I don't want to live in a world where I'm constantly afraid that he's going to leave for Indiana. 
But at the same time, I think you got to just ignore that and hire the guy if you think he's the right guy. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty much a big four for me. I don't know if they're all equal to each other, but I think between Dusty May, Lamont Paris, Sean Miller, and Greg McDermott, I think that's got to be your four guys on the board. I think I would go in inverse order there on my favorites. I would go Miller, McDermott, Dusty May, and then Lamont Paris. But yeah, I think you got to go in that direction. There has been reporting that there's been former Buckeyes interested in the job like Scooney Penn and Chris Jens. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's great that they're interested, and I'm glad that they have the care for the program like and I, that. Yeah, and I don't want to say anything bad about those no, guys. No, of course not. They are, they are good dudes, good basketball minds, and I wish them nothing but success as they keep moving on in their coaching careers. But maybe there's a way to have like that stepping stone to be an assistant coach. It, it doesn't matter... I need to see I'd you in the, the college same, game first. I'd say the same thing about a younger assistant in college basketball, right? Yeah. You, you need to continue on with that growth. When we had Jeff Bowles on the podcast, right? And, you know, may, maybe Bowles is a name that gets into the into the mix here. I, I doubt it, but maybe. He said, you know, when he was talking to his AD at OU, even with all the experience he had as an assistant on a really, really good program. See, those are the guys, right? We talk about... You know, Jerome Tang, who's associated with Drew for such a long time. Yeah, he was a longtime Drew bench Tom, coach. Tommy yeah. Lloyd, associated with Lamont Paris. La- Lamont Paris winning, was right? with Wisconsin. Lamont Paris was with, was he with Bo Ryan and then with Greg Gard? Either way, oh, he's at, either way, great either way, he's at Wisconsin, right? So good basketball program there. And then he goes on to, to get his head coaching position. But there's just a, a other than that, you almost want to see somebody get a head coaching position. And and the way it had to go for Bowles is he had to go to Stony Brook. He had to get some kind of head coaching gig. Some bosses just look at it that way. It's it's not the same everywhere. It's just pointing out how it typically goes. And the, the name that I would still center on, and there's been some tea leaves to read out there, but it's still not, it's still taking shape, right? This is a search that's still going to take a while to take shape because the season's not done yet. And it's really going through back channels and talking to guys, friends, and then maybe something gets pinged to the agent, but they're really not going to say much about it. Sean Miller even had some comment on a podcast for Xavier hoops that, you know, alluded to the future at Xavier, but what are you going to say? What are you going to say right now? He was mainly pissed off this past week about a, a technical foul for one of his players. You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure kind of a blow up in the press conference. I'm pretty sure Thad had similar comments back in his time at Xavier. Uh, I can't remember, remember off the top of my head what he exactly they were, did. but probably he, did. He was very standoffish on the idea of taking the Ohio state job. Publicly, yeah, like I'm not going and then took it. Yeah. That's just, it, it's how the game goes right now. But Hey, I mean, this is, this adds a, a level of excitement to the end of the regular season that wasn't here, you know? It, Absolutely. It, it wasn't here. Now that it's the Band-Aid has been ripped off, we still would have been walking around on eggshells and having awkward post-game press conferences with the Holt man if they continued to lose games. Absolutely, but it, it would just gotten to a point where, and it did towards the end before the actual official firing that, you know, it was a when, not if type of situation. And I know there's still debates on the timing of it. I think it's worked out in Ohio State's favor because now they can get that head start, even though Gene doesn't want to admit publicly that 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 was the motive to do it. I do think it is good for them to get that head start and get their you know first choice of the batch because there's going to be some pretty big jobs that open up likely. I, I think Indiana and Michigan are real possibilities. And the, and the one for me, by the way, the one for me that I, I just have to put out there, 
Lamont Paris, I feel like has been thrown out there so much, like by so many, I've seen it on social media, a ton that he's got to be the guy has to be the guy for Ohio state hoops. I'm not here to say I don't like what he's done at South Carolina and that he's not a great candidate. If the search goes that way, it's just that give me Sean Miller 10 times out of 10 first. That's all I I'm looking for someone and I don't care about what has been in his past too. I care more about something like what's in Chris Beard's past where it's very awkward and strange where it had nothing to do with basketball. Yeah. Cheating scandals have happened all shapes and sizes, right? You pay your dues. You're back in the game. He's back here coaching in Ohio already for God's sakes. I, I look at a guy that's gone to the tournament a ton. He is a great bench coach. He is a proven winner. He's literally accomplished everything. Dusty May's got it right, but Miller's done everything but go to the final four. Paris, to me, just needs more time to prove what he is as a head coach. It's the first year where he's really shown himself to the world and what he could do. Yeah, I think he's kind of getting paired, not necessarily in the same way, but to these Scooney Penn and Chris Gent likes. And the fact that I think everyone goes to the same mindset of, okay, who has a connection back to the area, who's from Ohio, who went to Ohio State, kind of those, uh, not necessarily like a local feel for a hire, but it seems right. to be one of those, right. that's where people tend to default to with who they want. They don't want the unknown or how they would do a good coach that has, doesn't have a real connection to the area and that X factor to it. All right, so coming up, Evil Bald Colin will apparently tell us how the nickname is completely perfect for him with his take on something big that happened in college hoops this week. You're listening to Mad About Hoops. One of these men is evil and bald. The other one is Timmy Hall swinging his meat bat. You're listening to Mad About Hoops on The Fan. Mad About Hoops, Saturday morning on The Fan. Thanks for tuning in if you are listening to us on The Fan. Uh, Timmy, you know one of my favorite human beings, uh, favorite characters in this world is Mr. Richard Patino. Yeah. Is it it's weird that you love is it him? Actually, wait, is it, is it actually Richard or is it... Nobody loves him. It's Rick. Is it actually Richard also? I don't know. I'm confused. You're asking, I'm me, if his, you're asking me if his real name is Richard? <laughs> I'm confusing myself. I think I it know is. His, I know his son's it Richard. Is, it is Rich. Well, yeah, you're right. It is Richard Patino, the son. Yeah. I don't know if Rick Patino is actually Richard. Let's, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Boo. I, I doubt it, but. Um, Where's Richard right now? He's at New Mexico. He down is, at the pit. They're both Richard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's one of my favorite coaches. You know, he he just gives me a, a real, a really quick uh sense of joy well really quick satisfying sense of well joy. to to go back to earlier this week because he had a great start with st john's in back in big east basketball here so he had his little stint after everything that louisville crashed down he pops up at iona and we knew that he wasn't going to be long there that he wanted to climb his way back into a bigger time in college basketball so he gets to st john's nice start but they've been taking their licks and he eventually just snapped to where he just threw everybody and everything that he could find at St. John's under the bus after one of their recent losses. We just lack toughness. We just don't move our feet on defense. Look, they, they shot 37 free throws. Throw out the stats. You see it every game, the amount of free throws they shoot and the amount of free throws we shoot. Look at what Naheem shot on the year. Look at what uh, Chris Ledlam shot on the year. I mean, you're a power forward. You play 29 minutes without a free throw. 
Uh, that means you're not offensive rebounding, not getting to the line. So it's it's really the, all the toughness things of why we give up leads. We are so non-athletic that we mm. can't guard anybody without fouling. And really it's not about losing. Because even in winning, winning when we watch the film, I see unathletic plays. I, I see people that don't handle the ball, that's just interested in taking quick shots. So it's been a disappointing year. If you had to do it over again, would you have attacked your first offseason differently? I had no choice. We just could take who we could get, who was available. We had no choice. Um, I don't think we were going to win the first year anyway because when you rush like that and you don't see the players and you just uh, – not, not a whole lot we can do, but it's um, – I think I've enjoyed even, – even the Celtics when we lost, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we – lost in that following year, but this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. you have any second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. It's not St. John's. It's my team. Look, I'm disappointed. I don't want to say the wrong things, but I'm really disappointed in my team. All right, Colin, so you hear that, and it was so much more, too. He talked for a while. It was after they lost to Seton Hall, and they blew a 12-point lead. He talked about how much the facilities suck there. He talked about how his team is soft. And then later on this week, he doubled down on, on, on the comments. So you're one of the few guys I talked to around here that actually enjoyed this out of Rick Pitino. Most everybody who's normal hates this guy. Not you somehow because you're evil. Well, yes, I guess you could you could go with that. Um, me personally, I, I do love the character that is Rick Pitino. And uh, I... Obviously, I don't love him calling out like guys by name and what they are not very good at. Like you, you can't do that publicly. I get he it. Did you, I get? <laughs> he, he I did. get if you do it. I get if you do it in like a private setting with your team. But yeah, doing it in front of everyone else is not a very good look. Uh, but no, I I actually like that he's bringing passion and care to that program because it's a really a program that hasn't had a whole lot since really the 80s where they had a really good season uh other than that like he's he's bringing some pride and really he's challenging not only the university but like donors and whatnot to get behind the program and start supporting it and i think they got some million dollar millionaire donation this week uh helping their nil case or whatnot so he's he's definitely put the challenge on those around the program and and the school and they've really started to rise to the occasion Hopefully for their sake, but uh, no, I, I actually do like that he's putting well, pressure on a program that hasn't stepped up. I, I get that, and sometimes you know we we've talked before too that a jerk can be needed. It's just that in certain situations, Rick yeah. Rick, Rick Patino's been involved with so much with you know the the stripper fest that was happening at Louisville, oh, gosh, and yeah. you know his his Billy Joel scenes from an Italian restaurant being maybe the all time greatest, which I pointed out recently. How there's there's a, a wild coincidence with what happened with Rick Pitino and the apps the actual day where he was with what was her name Karen Cipher that's right cheated on his wife there the scumbag at the Italian restaurant in Louisville then later on there was an, an abortion paid for it's just a mess the messiest story that one way back when I have one hole in one you know I'm an avid golfer I have one hole in one in <laughs> my life right. I later on found out that my hole-in-one, through looking at the court documents and the testimony and all that, is the same exact day, August 1st, 2000, it's either 2001 or 2003. 
I, I think I'd have to go and look at my scorecard on the wall there for my hole-in-one ball. But the same day, I got my hole-in-one, so did Rick Patino. That's how it happened. Yeah, you went there. I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's that's how it happened. But Oh, man. Uh, I, will, I will tell you this. There was also an update because St. John's had another basketball game this week, and they beat Georgetown. And even after oh, doubling down. Oh, everybody beats Georgetown. So those comments you just heard were on the weekend. And then on Monday, Rick was like, what? What's the problem? I was just pointing out in my <laughs> monotone voice why we lost and he said, I'm, I'm not always calm, and I'm not I'm not calm when I rip somebody, and I wasn't ripping anybody. He was just telling it like it was. And then after they beat Georgetown, he had a little bit on how sorry he was to say that about his guys. It finally hit him. I went home, talked to my wife, and came back, and I said to my staff, anybody in the guys, any of them upset? He said, a couple of feelings of hurt. So I immediately went in the team and told them, I absolutely love you guys. I would never, ever want to embarrass you, but it's my bad. I'm at fault. There you go. I never mentioned anybody by name. I didn't mean it. I was trying to talk typical clinic talk like I Mm. do. The slowest player in the league at the NBA is Jokic. He can't move laterally. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> now he's trying to justify yeah, it. Let's let's talk about Jokic. I mean, one of our guys could be like Jokic here in the future. He can't he can't move laterally. He, he was saying that about a couple of his guys. I, mean, I know Joel Soriano's a pretty good player, but come on. <laughs> All right, so uh, we've got a couple things left to do. Setting the table for a wild weekend of hoops here upon us. Collins mid-major flavor. And the little spin around the Mad About Hoops road trip meter. What can we get to Saturday or Sunday within a close drive of Columbus? It's coming up. It's Mad About Hoops. All the college basketball talk you can handle. You're listening to Mad About Hoops. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Timmy Hall, evil, bald, Colin, rocking it with some college basketball. I got to say, I wish we had some more Saturday games for Ohio State. The Saturday afternoon home game. I think the former coach wanted that, too. Yeah, he did. He (laughs) certainly did. You could see why when you see what the crowds are like. But it's uh, Sunday hoops from here on out for the weekend, for the Buckeyes on the weekend. I think one of them will be at home. They're going to be... On the road, Michigan State yep. this weekend. Next weekend, home against Michigan. And on the road at Rutgers. On the road at Rutgers yeah. on a Sunday to finish up. But Honestly, selfishly, I love it because I can watch all the big games on Saturday on my 65-inch TV and then, you know, watch the Ohio State game on Sunday. Yeah, you solo. do the quad box, right? That's exactly right. Quad box. I will tell you to, to go right to the Mad About Hoops road trip meter, still, still... Got to get a trip down to Lexington. To Lexington! <laughs> but it's not a cheap ticket this weekend. Oh, no. It's over, you're paying over $100 it's, to get in. You're paying like $150, $200 to get a decent seat. That's a big place. Rupp Arena is, is huge. I would love to go and do you know a little bourbon trail, a little basketball, that Absolutely. type of thing. That would be the dream type of trip, right? This one would still be pretty high. I put this like a seven out of ten because it's a huge matchup. It's a top twenty matchup. You're seeing a team that the Buckeyes beat. It's uh, number seventeen Kentucky hosting number thirteen Alabama. Four o'clock. It's a CBS game. Saturday game, big one. Yeah, get in price of a hundred and four bucks. You've still never been to Rupp, right? No, I've been thinking about it. Um, I don't think I'll get a chance this year, but it's it's definitely on the list. Hopefully for a game that's not. <laughs> Totally outrageously different. priced, but you're, um, you're a Butler guy, and I like Hinkle too. 
Uh, by the way, it, it pisses evil off if, if you call it Butler Fieldhouse and don't use yeah, Hinkle's I'm name. Like, don't go I, with the old style Butler. Got to throw Hinkle in. I think Tony Hinkle earned it at this point. <laughs> Didn't Tony Hinkle spend like 75 years well, in I, Butler I, Athletics, I told, something I, like that? I told you off the air that he lived in three different centuries. Almost. Or I'm sorry, he almost. almost. I'm sorry, he almost. He was like did. an 1899 guy. Yes. And he didn't make it to 2000. Almost made it. That's right. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're and right. And he, he coached like a bunch of different sports there. Wasn't it like basketball, football, baseball, like a ton of different sports that he coached. And then ultimately the AD. But oh, he 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 earned that. Uh, he earned that I know. title. He earned it. He earned it. But you know, Butler Fieldhouse. Sorry, Hinkle Fieldhouse. Totally different style and vibe of a Rupp Arena. It's just a completely different thing. But it's it's the history. I think. I, I think you see at the Dean Dome with North Carolina. That place is big and massive. It might not have the kind of feel. Like take North Carolina and Duke right there. You know, rivals. They probably argue about who's got the better gym, Completely better atmosphere all styles. the time. Yeah. Totally different styles, but it's just the damn color of it. That's the thing. It's a big concrete gargantuan sucker in Chapel Hill, but when you're inside there, it's the elements they play on the Jumbotron. It's just how Carolina powder baby blue everything is. All the <laughs> seats are blue. The lines on the court are blue. It just sort of it hits you a little bit different because of Michael Jordan and all the history there. Yeah, it is interesting how big arenas have different perceptions based off of just where you are with it. Like to think that the Dean Dome is bigger than the shot is actually kind of crazy to think about. But with the way they fill it and the way it just kind of looks on TV, it just has a different vibe to it. It looks a lot smaller on TV. Um, but yeah, I in in terms of games this weekend. It's not the greatest like local weekend because a lot of those teams are kind of out of town for their sake. Uh, Xavier's at Marquette, I believe, on Sunday. What about that? We've never talked about Marquette and Midwesterners love driving, and that's certainly oh, a man, long that's drive. A really long one, yeah. That's but once you get to the Chicago area, you may as well just go to Milwaukee, right? Yeah, Five hours true. to Chicago, you're already there. May as well drive to Milwaukee. From that's Columbus, a Sunday game. From Columbus, that's more like six and a half, seven. I would think to Milwaukee it's seven. You're oh, saying seven no, to I, drive to Chicago? I was thinking it's closer to that. You're to driving that too slow, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what. You must be hitting traffic on Route 30. <laughs> or, or, you know, if you're taking the interstate, you know, up, up through West Lafayette and past Indy, I don't I don't know what's going on. But I, I would love to to see Marquette. I know they play in the Bucks arena. They got the NBA arena going on there. But Xavier at Marquette, this is look, big for Xavier, right? Like they've they've got to go and grab a marquee win. Their tournament resume is dying right there it's bleeding out Cincinnati basketball also with the midweek loss to Oklahoma State killer killer home loss for the tournament hope so they got to get it right too yeah it's man I mean you you could drive to Chicago and see Loyola the number one team in the A-10 right now or I'm sorry I think they're technically tied for first but maybe in second place in okay. the bracket standings. Okay. Uh, but they, they host George Mason, that team that we just talked about earlier in the show. Um, otherwise, I mean, Pitt will host Virginia Tech. Those those are some middling slash bubble-ish type teams there. Uh, it's really not an attractive week, to be honest with you, for travel. Unless if you wanted to go down to Knoxville, 
uh, down in Tennessee. Tennessee is hosting Texas A&M. So uh, one other thing, we got Kansas uh, at Texas. Sorry, Kansas hosting Texas, and that one will be on the fan, so you can catch that one at 6 o'clock on Saturday night. wonder why there's more Kansas games on the schedule, but r- real quick, CB, you got a mid-major? You got a flavor here for yeah, this week? Yeah, mid-major has to be South Florida. Uh, it's been a really good team. The Bulls. Yeah, really impressive. They are number one in the American Conference, one of the longest winning streaks in the nation. Uh, Chris Youngblood is a name to watch for them. All right. Fantastic. What do you think the Buckeyes are going to do to finish out the week? You know, we, we recorded the podcast before the Minnesota game. So that's an opportunity, but another road opportunity before the weekend is done. Yeah, just keep I, playing uh, more inspired. I hope they just make it competitive, but I, I just find it hard to believe that they would go in the Breslin and pull off the victory. But you know what? In the Big Ten and the way that Michigan State's played, anything's possible. Better Buckeye basketball teams under Holtman have gone to the Breslin Center and lost late in the year. So maybe this is what's different. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't surprise it me, and it's not, it's not a shame if they do. All right. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Just one more podcast before we make it to March. Everybody enjoy the hoops, and always make your free throws.